Hello and welcome to the Fossil Huntress podcast. I hope you guys are doing very well. Today on the show we're going to talk about animals that once lived on land, so they were terrestrial, but they returned to the sea. So our dear penguins, seals, sea lions, walrus, whales, crocodiles, and sea turtles were once entirely terrestrial. And many of those land animals have returned to the sea throughout our evolutionary history. So sometimes they dip a toe and come back, but we have beautifully documented cases from amphibians and reptiles, birds and mammals from around 30 different lineages over the past 250 million years who chose, who, who lived on land and then chose to live in the ocean. About 80% of the Earth's species living today live on land, which is a number I find really surprising given the origins of life. And only about 15% live in the ocean, with another five dipping a toe into fresh water. And with such a huge amount of our planet, so about 70% of the Earth is covered in ocean, I just assumed early on that there would be a correlate between that and the number of species that lived there. And certainly the ocean holds appeal. So those animals I mentioned earlier, walrus and turtles and um, uh, whales, each of these animals had an ancestor that tried out the sea and decided to stay. So they evolved and employed a variety of adaptations to meet their new saltwater challenges. Some adapted legs as fins, others became more streamlined, and still others developed specialized organs to help extract dissolved oxygen from the water through their skin or gills. And the permutations and, and adaptations are endless. Life at sea, though wonderful, is very different from living on land, and returning to the sea comes with a whole host of benefits and some serious challenges. So water is denser than air, impacting how an animal moves and sees and hears. And more importantly, it impacts an air-breathing animal's movement on a pretty frequent basis. If you need air and you don't and you haven't yet evolved gills, you need to surface frequently. You need to keep your body temperature at a homeostatic level and that's a challenge as water conducts heat much better than air and it conducts it away from you. So even with all of these challenges, the lure of additional food resources and the freedom of movement kept those who tried the sea in the sea and they evolved accordingly. Most of the major animal groups first appear in the fossil record about half a billion years ago. So we call this orgy of evolution, this flourishing of species, the Cambrian explosion. And while this was a hugely intense period of species radiation, the evolutionary origins of animals goes back much deeper. About 700 million years ago, the earth was covered in ice and snow. And this was an ice age so intense that we refer to this time in our ancient history as snowball earth. But once that ice receded, it exposed rock that contained a variety of weird and wonderful fossils that speak to ancient animals that are even older than the Cambrian and are only now being studied. 
Well, there's been quite a lot of excitement and focus on the Cambrian. We are starting to see paleontologists examine this earlier history of some of our first animals. So paleontologists like Frankie Dunn from Oxford uh, University Museum are looking at the Ediacaran, so 570 to 540 million years ago, and looking at species long extinct like Rangomorpha that kind of looks like a sea pen. Um, to explore what these animals were doing and all of them were deeply sea-based animals. And they're the beginnings of the origin that led to the Cambrian explosion. I don't know um, if there's gonna be any more online talks for her, but she gave a wonderful talk, um, I think about last June um, on the Chronicles of Charnia. So um, I will put some links if she does any more online with COVID, one of the benefits is that we're starting to see more talks that we would have had to go see in person that we can now see uh, remotely. So there's also an interesting article from Alicia Alt writing for the Smithsonian. So she interviewed Nick Pineson, um, who, was, who is a paleontologist and who was a speaker at one of our past BCPA symposiums. And so he's done a wonderful uh, bit of research in this earlier time history and digging into the reasons land animals moved to sea. So I'll provide a link on that one as well. Part of uh, Nick Pineson's interest was on our marine tetrapods. So more than 30 different lineages, as we know, amphibians, reptiles, birds, and mammals have independently invaded ocean ecosystems. So prominent examples include ichthyosaurs and mosasaurs during the Mesozoic, so 252 to 66 million years ago. And then we have our penguins and sea otters during the Cenozoic, so 66 million years ago to the present. In today's oceans, marine tetrapods are ecologically important consumers uh, with trophic influence. So their abundance and their roles in the ocean impacts that ocean in a significant way. And they've occupied apex roles, so been the big guy in the ocean, in ocean food webs for more than 250 million years. What's remarkable of that, about that time period of 250 million years is, as well as adopting to the ocean and working their way up to be the predators in the food chain in some cases, these populations have had to face and live through mass extinction events. So they're adapting um, paws and, and arms and legs into flippers. They're changing their breathing apparatus and they're adapting and doing well in our Earth's oceans against considerable odds. So what's the appeal of the oceans if in fact 80% of species now live on our terrestrial plains versus those big bodies of water that we have? And I think it's because there's this big interconnected body of water, so few physical barriers to keep populations apart. There's the lure of new places to hunt for food. And then there's the realization long in our evolutionary history that in fact, perhaps the, the microcosms, the individual ecosystems on land in the end provided more vary, uh, variance in habitat to appeal to a larger population. So 80% of our species choose land today, but that's not always been the case. So we'll explore more of this in another episode, and I thank you for listening.